Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we have conversations with ordinary people to learn how our extraordinary God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited you've joined us. My guest today is David King. David and his wife, Natalie, have three children, and they live in his hometown of Chattanooga, Tennessee, where he serves as pastor of Concord Baptist Church. He's been there for 22 years now, and it is just a joy and privilege to have him on Sound of Truth Weekly Interview. Welcome, David. Thank you, Brett. Great to be with you. Now, David married Natalie. Her maiden name is Emmert, and she is the daughter of the late Dr. Richard Emmert, who was the longtime pastor of Manly Baptist Church, where my wife grew up and spent her entire childhood. And Dr. Emmert performed uh, Lacey and I's wedding. So there's a little bit of the connection there. I got to know David through Lacey and her family and the Manly Church family. So David went to Carson Newman College and then on to Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham, Alabama. And as I previously mentioned, he's been a longtime pastor at Concord on the east side of Chattanooga. Is that correct, David? That's right. Let's talk about your journey with the Lord, how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm happy to talk about God's grace in my life because like every conversion story, it's a story of God's grace. I grew up in a Christian home right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. My parents were converted in their high school years and were faithful Christians. And my mom is still a faithful Christian today. And I'm grateful for that. My dad passed away last year. I'm missing. But they were very involved in our local church and took my brother and me to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If the doors were open, we were there, as people say. And somewhere along the way, the gospel became clear to me. And I was a young kid, as a matter of fact, when I remember feeling conviction over sin. Not that I had experienced a lot of worldly sinfulness, but just even in my own home, I knew that there were times I rebelled against my parents, or I didn't tell the truth, or was disobedient in one way or another, mean to my brother, you know, all the ways that a child would come to recognize his or her own sin. The Lord convicted me of that, and I also remember believing that Jesus was God's Son who died on the cross for sinners like me and rose from the dead, that we might be forgiven and reconciled to God. And as a young child, I called on the Lord to save me, and my parents were there with me, praying with me. I think it was a Friday night, as a matter of fact, when I was around seven years old. So I'm really grateful for that experience and the experience of God's grace in my life. But And I have to say that was just the beginning of tons more grace to come and tons more grace that was needed in my life. So, David, uh, it's thrilling to hear how God saved you at an early age, and, and you were saved from a lot of heartache by a lifelong you know, rebellion or, or taking into the teenage years, a lot of stuff teenagers get involved with that, that really throws them off the path and scars them for life. So that, that's, actually, that's a wonderful testimony of God's grace. But, you know, sometimes people hear testimonies like yours and several others that have been on this podcast, and they think, what did they need saved from? You know, they're a kid and you were describing, you know, your sins, which uh, in, in the, in the realm of human testimonies may seem like small sins, but if we read our Bibles and we understand them correctly, sin is sin. And it's the, it's a matter of the heart that's behind the sin, as opposed to perhaps 
we should say the uh, the level the sin is manifested at, in its impact on society as a whole or something, right? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, what to us might be, okay, he didn't do anything horrible in the eyes of fellow man, but man's looking at the outward appearance and the outward ramification of those sins. God's looking at the heart. Yeah, that's exactly right. And all sin separates us from God. You know, even the ones that we would consider smaller or more respectable sins, you know, they put us in a place where we need reconciliation. God's not okay with us, and we're not right with Him. We need a Savior. And that Savior, of course, is Jesus Christ. So, again, yeah. what, what age were you when you came to that realization of your sinful state and trusted Christ? I was seven years old, but uh, Brett, one of the things you were just characterizing about teenage years, I actually did walk through one of those miserable seasons in my life where I slid further and further away from my confession. I wasn't holding fast, as it says in Hebrews, and entered into a time, I think because of some deep insecurities in my life, a time of darkness and rebellion and more serious sins that were damaging to me and hurtful to people around me. And it was a pretty dramatic series of events in which God brought me to an end of myself and shattered my hard heart. And I think I was around 17 years old. So a decade later, you know, I had this amazing transformation. And like a lot of people who grow up in church, I wondered for a long time, was that my real conversion mm-hmm. versus when I was seven? As I've looked back on it over the years, I really believe what Hebrews talks about, I think it's Hebrews chapter 13, about God's fatherly discipline. I think that's what he was doing in my life because I was miserable in my sin. I wasn't mm-hmm. happy in my sin. And I think the father came after me. And he knows how to discipline his children. He knows the right amount of pressure and pain to bring into our lives so that we will look to him, humble ourselves. And afterwards, you know, Hebrews says it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And, you know, praise God, he brought me to that place Mm -hmm. uh, when I was a teenager. You spoke of insecurities that you think led you into that dark pathway and, and into manifestation of sin that brought pain in your life and, and in the life of others. I'd like for you to speak maybe to that those root insecurities. Could you uh, elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah. It's just this feeling. I think I was around sixth or seventh grade when it became very pronounced in my heart in a way that I even noticed. I wouldn't have known how to talk about it at that age, but you know, always worried about what people were thinking of me, always concerned about how I was coming across to others and whether I was going to be liked or not. And I don't really know where all that came from. Like I said, I had a great home life. (laughs) My parents were awesome. But uh, for some reason, I was deeply insecure. And that led me to seek, you know, affirmation from people that I really didn't need affirmation from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just my own sinful heart and, and seeking that kind of affirmation led me to some really bad places. So what was it specifically that in God's discipline that brought you to the place of repentance? Well, without going into too much detail, I was in high school, late high school, and I got mononucleosis. I don't know if you know what that is. Sure. It's about a month long sickness, if I remember correctly. 
yeah, it was terrible. And I probably should have been hospitalized at one point. It was so bad, but we didn't do that for whatever reason. And I still remember there was one night in the middle of that sickness, I was, you know, flat on my back, unable to even speak because my throat was so sore. And I fell asleep and had this dream that I can only characterize as evil. And I won't go into details about what it was, even though I can still remember it in detail. Uh, But I woke up from that dream, which I really think was demonic in some way. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I could say was the name Jesus. Mm. And I called on Jesus. And I'm getting emotional just thinking about this again. Mm -hmm. I had not called on him, Brett, like in in a sense of need in probably years at that point in my life. Mm. And that was the beginning of a transformation that took place probably over the next three or four months um, where I started trying to clean up my life, so to speak. Like I'll stop doing this particular sin. I'll stop doing that particular sin. And, I kept dropping these sins off, and nothing was helping my heart. I still felt convicted. (laughs) Mm, mm -hmm. And really, the last piece of the puzzle that happened was um, I was dating this girl at the time, and she was not a believer. And for some reason, she had wanted to come to church with me. I was still going to church through all of this. I was living a hypocritical double life and, you know, was at church but didn't care anyway. She wanted to come to church with me, and she ended up getting saved. Hmm. And <laughs> our church, you know, was kind of the, in the revivalistic tradition. So there was mm-hmm. the altar call at the end and come down to the front. And she's like, I'm going down to the front, and I want you to come with me. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. This is my home church. You know, everybody knows me here. And that was just like too much for me. Mm-hmm. The, but, pride, the pride kicked in. Oh. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted it all to go away. And sure enough, though, at the end of the service, she went down to the front and I went down there with her. And, you know, the church is rejoicing over the fact that she's come to know Christ. And I'm standing there thinking, you know, what does this mean? You know, I'm, I'm not even sure what this means, like for us, for the future. Because I was unclear on what the Lord was actually doing in my life at that time, even though I was under conviction. And Brett, you know how people would line up at the end of the service and like come through and shake the hands and give words of encouragement to people who might have made a decision of one sort or another? Sure. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah. So here are all these people lined up that I've known since I was a kid. And they're saying things to me like, David. Well, thank you for being such a good witness to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they thought you went forward I mean, to support her, right? They they had no clue what they were saying to me. Yeah. But the Lord used that. That was like the final step in blessing me. It's like within 10 minutes of being up at the front and hearing people say things like that to me, my heart was shattered in like a thousand pieces. Mm-hmm. I've really never been the same then and uh i I thank god that he took me through that that painful discipline process and what a what a merciful way to do it 
not just for you, but for this girl. I mean, his mercy was being poured out. Yeah, so, absolutely. On, on her and on you. Yeah. And and it wasn't because of your prayers for her, right? No. <laughs> not at all. I mean, she saw me trying to clean up my life morally, but I didn't understand what I was doing at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, she certainly didn't understand what I was doing. So maybe, you know, the Lord, I think the Lord did use that in her life, but I was not the one to clarify the gospel to her. You know, she heard that through our, our youth minister at church and just thankful for God's grace and all of it. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. One thing that kind of jumped out at me when you were just sharing that story was how you were starting to try to clean up your life a little bit. And the way you described it was, and you just used the word, it was kind of more of a moralistic thing, almost like a behaviorism thing. And yet you also said something, you used the word heart, like, but your heart wasn't there yet. You weren't, it's like you were trying to clean up yourself somewhat, but you weren't surrendering your heart to the Lord. Is that accurate? Yeah, I don't think I knew to do that, which is crazy to say because I grew up in church. I mean, I knew the gospel facts and had responded to the gospel as a kid, like I mentioned a minute ago. But I didn't understand what the Spirit was doing at that point in my life. And so I just thought, you know, if I can if I can do better, if I can be better, maybe I'll feel better. And that, that was the limit of my theology at that point, which is uh, pretty immature. No, but, but I think that, know, thankfully, that's, yeah, that's yeah. something we all battle. I mean, sometimes for years, and it's easy for it to creep back into our mindset, even to this day, that it's about our performance. It's not about God's grace. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I mentioned insecurity, you know, way back as an early adolescent. You know, I still wrestle with insecurity at times. And I, I see subtle ways that, you know, I seek affirmation from performance or mm-hmm. from, you know, the way I do things relate to people. And that I think that's probably just going to be a lifelong part of my sanctification of humbling myself and really believing what God has said is true about me in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned my pride a minute ago, and it is pride. It is it is so prideful to, to not believe what God has said about us, mm-hmm. you know, because we feel a different way about ourselves. Like, it can't be true. It's like, well, no, God has said it is true. We are justified in Jesus Christ by grace through faith. And we're secured in him. We're loved by our Father. Like I I want to believe that because it's the truth. And mm-hmm. it's it's as we operate in the truth that you know we really begin to feel that sense of security, that love, confidence in the Lord, not in ourselves, and the ability to serve other people without needing something from them. I don't need their validation, I don't need their affirmation. I can I can give myself more freely to them because of justification in Christ. That is so good. And as you made reference to, you think that your rest of your life, you're probably going to be battling this. I would agree wholeheartedly because I have no scripture to, to, that tells me that some point in my sanctification journey, the world, the flesh, and the devil are just going to give up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it, it'll be ongoing. Uh, and the, the, way, the reason I was able to identify your pride rising up is because that would be me if I were in your shoes. And that if I were living out the story you described, I know my pride would be standing in the way of me, you know, uh, receiving what the Lord would want to do there. So these things are common to man is what I'm trying to say. Um, which yeah, I hope, that's right. Which I hope gives our listeners real encouragement. Uh, God is very patient. He's also very loving. And he is a loving father who will discipline us and who will bring his 
if you're a true child of God, he will bring you back around in his time. And I, I think yeah. that's what your testimony seems to indicate. So that was the beginning of the turnaround. I'm assuming this was not Natalie because you were in Chattanooga and she was in Morristown. So, um, oh, I'm, Brent, I'm so thankful I did not meet Natalie or that she didn't meet me um, in high school because, oh my goodness, she would have hated me. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. Um, man, it's hard enough now because I'm not glorified yet. I'm still a work in progress, but uh, Natalie and I met in college at Carson Newman, and I was walking with the Lord at that point, and she's an awesome, godly woman, and I see so much of God's grace in my life just through her. I'm thankful for her. So what happened to this young lady? Where did she end up? That's a great story. I don't really know details about where she is now, but I do know that she has continued walking with the Lord and that she got married to a strong Christian man, has raised a family that I think is in Christ. And I even understand that her mom, who was not a believer in these later years, has come to know the Lord. Um, The last I heard, it was just cool to hear what God has done in that family. Mm -hmm. That's great. So you turn things around, or I should say the Lord turned things around for you in your life, and then you end up choosing to go to Carson Newman. Did you know you were going to be a pastor at that point, or when you went to Carson yeah. Newman? Mm-hmm. Um, after that radical transformation in, around my senior year of high school, it wasn't much longer after that that I really felt like the Lord wanted me to go into the ministry. Um, that That's an interesting story, too. But Yeah, yeah. So... Unfortunately, we're out of time. We don't have time to get the full story on that, but I want to invite you back for a part two in which you can tell us exactly how that story came, how that came about in your life, uh, this call to vocational ministry. And then, and then use that as a segue into uh, this particular subject that I'd like for us to, to talk about, which is, I would say, an area of your expertise, and that is, how do we discover Jesus Christ in the Old Testament? And You've done a lot of research and thinking on this. Would you be willing to do that? Oh, I would love to do that. All right. Well, we will uh, close this episode out, and we will have you back for another episode where we can talk about those things. Thanks so much for coming on today, David. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett Amorani, 2023.